Two first-time champions, a breakthrough moment for an 18-year-old Canadian, a fully focused Nick Kyrgios and a whole host of the game's greats. My name's Gigi Salmon and that's all to come on the latest ATP Tennis Radio podcast, but there really is only one place for us to start. History continues to be made by Roger Federer. Arms aloft. Title number 100. His eighth here. And he did it all in 69 minutes. Well, Roger, 100 titles are finally yours. You already had so many records. What does this latest landmark represent to you? Well, it makes me look back at uh, how it all started and uh, how badly I won my first title back in Milan, which was actually owned by the Dubai tournament uh, at the time. Uh, and yeah, and I was hoping that one day I was going to win a title uh, just before that Milan final, and I did. And uh, that I'm sitting here today having won 100 is, uh, I don't know, is disbelief, even though, of course, the last few... Um, Titles ever since I guess I reached like 96, 97, I started feeling, well, maybe 100 is possible. And, and it was. And uh, it's a big moment for me tonight here in Dubai. I'd like to thank the team, you know, everybody who's um, made it possible for myself because, you know, people only see the player, the guy who does it, but there's so much work going on behind, behind the scenes from all the, the friends and family and uh, parents and wife and coaches and everybody. So, uh, big thank you to all of them. So, it's been special. And you did it as well by beating a player like Stefanos, who's obviously just starting the beginning of his journey, if you like. It felt apt in a way, didn't it? Yeah, and it had to be that way, I guess, you know, playing a youngster. Um, so he had a great run. That's what I told him as well in Marseille. And then to back it up here again this week, he had a brutal match against Morfis yesterday. So I think uh, he should be very proud of, uh, of his run. And also he started so well in Australia, you know, when he made the semis there and also beating me along the way. And uh, I think it's definitely going to be, you know, a future star of our game. I mean, he already kind of is, you know, but we'll see so much more of him. And uh, I always enjoy playing the next generation, you know, that come through because one day I'll be sitting on my couch and I'll be watching them and enjoying their tennis. And nice as well to do it in Dubai, obviously, for the eighth title here, because so many special memories for you in this place, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, I've been coming here ever since 2002 and uh, uh, won my eighth title just now. And that goes in connection with the 100th. And I uh, also spend a lot of time here in the off-season getting ready for Australia and other places like Shanghai. So, I mean, look, uh, I think it's definitely a bit of a home court advantage for me here to some extent. But also, I just seem to play well in February, you know, also last year winning Rotterdam this time of the year. Um, it just kind of works out for me. But, uh, you know, um, winning here again tonight uh, was definitely uh, a crazy moment in my career. No doubt about it. And that 100, of course, it also takes you a step closer to that incredible record of, of Jimmy Connors. I mean, how, what does it feel like to be so close to a player like that? And do you ever stop to consider your own sort of sporting legacy, if you like? Yeah, I mean, look what Jimmy did, that, that is, uh, is very special, you know, no doubt about it, because he played for a long time, he won the US Open on three different surfaces, uh, that, that won't be possible for us, for our generation, because it's stuck on hardcourts now. So yeah, so many cool records as well that never, can never be broken or achieved, and I know a lot of people are probably going to say, now, well, now you have to reach Jimmy Connors' uh, record, you know, but I'm not that kind of a guy, even though people might think I am. I draw inspiration from it, but I'm not here out here to shatter every one record out there. And, uh, and he's a special, a special player and a special legend in the sport. And um, 
and if he keeps that record, it's all good. I'm just happy to have reached 100 in my career. And when you talked about it, the other landmarks along the way, sort of some sort of special memories that pop up for you. What's your prevailing sort of memory you think you'll take away from this week? That I do play a lot of tennis in between slams as well, because a lot of people remember the 20 I won at the slam level, but uh, I don't want to say forget about the 80 uh, that I have won away from it. And I've lost a lot of finals as well. I haven't won all 100 finals that I played in. I, I can tell you that I lost over 50 finals. And I think that's what I see. Uh, I see a lot of tennis, I see a lot of running and uh, a privilege still to be playing this sport right now today. Congratulations once again to Roger Federer. And a little later, we'll be rounding up events from the other ATP 500 event that was played this week in Acapulco when Nick Kyrgios claimed some big scalps on his way to his fifth career title, together with hearing from some of the game's bigger stars as they make their preparations for the first Masters Series events of the season, the Sunshine Swing. Live ball-by-ball commentary to come from Indian Wells and Miami. That's on ATP Tennis Radio. We cannot wait for that, but time now to hear from three first-timers. This is ATP Tennis Radio. An emotional Laszlo Geras stormed his way to the Rio 500 title recently, picking up his first top 10 win along the way and dedicating the victory to his parents. His father passed away just two months ago and he lost his mother seven years ago. And the ATP's Edward Lacava started by asking him what they would have made of the victory. Yeah, I think uh, they would be really happy. Um, already at an, uh, younger ages, I, I learned that, uh, you know, like life is not fair and uh, I don't even think about that anymore. It's... it's um, to be honest, sounds really pathetic to me because it's like, of course it is not. Um, so, um, yeah, but it's um, yeah, it's like a bit unfortunate that they invested so many, so much time to me, into me, my career, my uh, my everything. You know, they dedicated their lives to to the, the sport, and that um, they can't enjoy now the the uh, success with me. It's. Um, bit unfortunate but uh, yeah I, I hope that they are they see this and uh, watching me um, so I think they would be like really happy and proud of me now your best results on ATP tour have been on clay what about the surface do you like the best yeah uh, if you see my results you can tell that uh, I prefer clay uh, I've been really bad on hard course before uh, now I'm. I think I, I improved my my game on that surface as well, and I play decent, decent game on hard surfaces. Um, last year, I made my first Grand Slam win at the U.S. Open, so I think that also shows that I I improved my game, my style on the hard courts, and uh, grass. I I it's strange, but I like grass. When I was a kid, I practiced a lot on carpet so it's kind of similar to to the grass so be honest i feel more comfortable on grass than than hard now uh obviously serbian guy yeah. novak djokovic um do you have a relationship with him does he ever give you advice uh yeah uh, i mean uh i know him uh, we know each other and whenever we see each other on the tour we exchange a few words um, obviously he plays the biggest tournaments and the most important tournaments and that wasn't the case uh, in my career 
um, so didn't have the chance to meet him a lot but uh, yeah he also sent me a message when I first broke top 100 uh, he called me to play doubles with him in in Dubai when I was nowhere close to top 100 um, so yeah he's uh, he's a great great guy and um, an inspiration for all of us and I think he showed that uh, that um, everything is possible I know that in the past you really like to watch Andy Roddick and Leighton Hewitt yeah. um, were there other idols for you and you know what what was it about some of your idols that really inspired you to play tennis and maybe that shaped your game style today yeah um, yeah I loved watching Roddick his uh, big serve um, and uh, I didn't say it today, but I, in my room, uh, I had a um, like a billboard, like a poster of uh, Guga with with the trophy of Roland Garros. Um, so yeah, I also enjoyed watching him. Must have been special to take a picture with him today. Yeah, but <laughs> and um, after when. Uh, our guys, uh, Janko and Novak, Viktor, start coming up. Uh, then I, I followed them, and uh, I was uh, looking up to them, and uh, like they were my my idols. Now away from tennis, more more to your hobbies and your interests. What do you what do you like to do when you're when you're detaching from tennis for a little bit to clear your mind or just to enjoy yourself? Yeah, uh, I I like to read read uh, some good book um, not uh, so into movies and uh, and uh, those things but I also sometimes watch a movie or I start watching uh, go or go to the cinema uh, I like spending time with my, my girlfriend my friends whenever I can uh, taking a walk, uh, putting on my headphones and listen some good music. It really clears my mind. And uh, I like uh, baking. Um, so sometimes I cook even through the like in weekdays, but that's like more um, because I want to eat healthy. I want to eat good, but like it's not for for pleasure. But uh, if, if it's a Sunday or Saturday and I have some uh, free time, I will enjoy making some uh, cakes, desserts, and uh, that really like uh, relaxes me. So that's also one of my hobbies. Um, and last one, a bit random. Uh, you've written that you like the Chicago Bulls and the Seattle Seahawks. Was it individual players that you liked that brought you to those teams or... You like the cities of Seattle and Chicago. How did you How did you yeah, find those? Yeah. Um, and do you follow them still? Do you find streams when you're traveling to to watch their yeah, games? Yeah, I uh, I watch the highlights of their matches. Well, actually, I I, <laughs> uh, I follow the Seattle Seahawks, and I really uh, enjoy watching uh, Russell Wilson. Okay. I remember a few years ago, uh, like my dad was uh, watching the NFL and. He liked it, and one one night I stayed with him and watched with him. And the Seattle played against New Orleans, I think. And I don't know. I just uh, love the way that the the Hawks are fighting and everything. So I picked them as my favorite team. And ever since I I follow them. And uh, 
uh, about the Chicago. Chicago uh, now I support the Miami Heat. When uh, when I told that I support the Chicago, it was uh, the Bulls. It was because of uh, Wade. He's mm. my favorite player. So okay, so he's Miami he, now. Yeah. So when I was like maybe 11, 12 years old, and I played the video game, the M- NBA, and everything. Uh, I since then I was supporting the the Miami because of Wade and then uh, uh, in the last few seasons he changed the Miami first he went to to Cleveland and uh, or to Chicago he was in Cleveland I think for one year with Yeah Brown, and so so one like one year I was supporting the 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 Cavaliers and uh, one year the Bulls but really because of of Wade and now again I mean uh, I support the Miami but uh, this is his last season, as I know, so I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do when he <laughs> retires. Edward Lecava speaking to Laszlo Gera, and the man Gera beats in the Rio final was 18-year-old Felix Auger-Aliassim playing in his first main tour final. Yeah, it's for sure a breakthrough a tournament. Um, obviously, you know, it was one of my goals to win these type of matches again this year, um, even go even further, you know, in this type of tournaments. So I think it's a good start, a good start of the year. Uh, obviously, I had some good wins also in Davis Cup, clinching the tie, and now coming here in South America, beating some some good players. So hopefully, I can keep uh, this wave going as long as I can. Yeah. Give me an idea of how comfortable you felt on court with someone like Fabio Fanini, world number 15, number two seed. I don't know, maybe a bit nervous at first. Uh, I guess uh, I was able to, you know, mentally put that uh, put that aside and really focus on on what I had to do, focus on my game. But I think, uh, you know, coming coming towards the match, I, w- I felt pretty confident, to be honest. I believed in in my game. I think last year beating uh, guys like Puy or Hyung Chong uh, really uh, made me believe that I could I could win these type of matches. So uh, I was uh, I was confident that you know if I did right things, then something good would have happened. I didn't expect to to win maybe that easily, but uh, sometimes these type of matches happen, and I'm happy that it happened through uh, this week. You mentioned your game before. How do you characterize your game? When do we know that you're at your best? I think when I'm dictating the points, you know, when I'm aggressive, also when I'm securing my service games, when I'm serving well, that's where I probably play my best tennis. You know, uh, I'm able to, to serve really well at some, uh, at some matches. If I can do that over and over again, you know, good things will, will happen for me. But, uh, you know, when, uh, when you see me on the offense, when you see me aggressive, that's where I'm, uh, that's where I'm the most comfortable. That's where... Uh, I'm able to express myself the most. And in terms of surface, you look very comfortable on clay. I mean, is it fair to say it could even become your best surface? I don't know, since uh, for some reason, you know, since I'm 14, 15, I've played a lot of tournaments on clay, uh, even in juniors, reaching the finals of French Open. And then after that, you know, starting my pro career, I played a lot of futures, challengers on clay. And yeah, it maybe gave me the belief that I could win on these uh, type of surface, but I think I'd at the end of the day, I'm I'm um, I'm a good player on, on any surface. You know, uh, at the end, I want to be as complete as I can. Uh, but the choice to come here and play these tournaments, I think, was was the right one. Yeah. What sort of hopes and targets are you making for 2019? Uh, you know, I think I'll be able to. In terms of ranking, I don't put myself any limits. You know, if I could. You know, be close to the top 50 by by the end of the year. That'd be that'd be great. But obviously, there's a lot of steps uh, until I reach that point. 
Um, but again, since I'm, you know, I'm young and I have a lot of things to improve, I just want to get to a, to a point where I'm better and better and more consistent. You know, getting these wins over and over and over again is going to get me to, to where I want. So uh, I think the main objective is to get more and more consistent. Just finally, and I promise this is the last question, you mentioned you're young, you're 18. You're doing everything for the first time pretty much on tour, a lot of things, you know, yeah. seeing new tournaments. What's that like? It's nice, you know, it's a, it's a dream come true as a, as a young guy. You know, I've always dreamt of, uh, of playing on the tour and uh, now it's just, it's all positive because uh, I'm here, you know, for the first time in, in Rio, playing these type of tournaments that I've seen on, on TV um, earlier. And... Uh, no, I'm just I'm soaking in everything and just enjoying uh, enjoying my time this year. So, obviously, it's a lot of new things coming into my life, but I think um, I've I've dealt uh, good with it, and I'm gonna keep on adjusting to to be a better player and person. And what a week it's been because the milestones didn't stop there. We're gonna transport you from the beach area at the Copacabana to Delray Beach, and Rado Albot becoming the first Moldovan to win an ATP Tour title. It feels unbelievable, you know, you work so much, you work uh, all your life, all your career, and at the end you win a tournament, and uh, this is just great feeling. Like, I think it's even difficult to explain with words. Was this a goal that you had as a junior growing up? You had played so many years, I'm sure, juniors, and then of course you went through the Futures, the Challengers. Uh, did you ever think you would uh, be one day here at age 29 holding that trophy? Uh, on uh, the way in my career, I, held, uh, I had a lot of goals. Uh, first goals were t- was to break 500 ATP, then it was 300, then 150, and then top 100. Now I had the goal to be top 50 ATP. And uh, now, now I'm just thinking about, uh, yeah, like, uh, if, if, you, if you ask me if I was thinking to hold the trophy when I was a kid, not really, you know, it's a, it's a tough sport. Everybody's playing unbelievable tennis nowadays. You play a guy who is 200, you can lose. You can play a guy who is 400, you can lose. So it's just so, so physical, so mental here. And uh, I think uh, I think it's a surprise for me as well to, to win. But uh, you know what? I'll take it. I've been playing great tennis the whole week. So uh... You're the first player from Moldova to win an ACB Tour title. Uh, you had the flag uh, over your uh, shoulders after you won. It's just... What does that mean? Uh, you know, uh, this this means a lot. You know, like being the first guy who is ever winning an ATP title from Moldova, it's a big thing. Uh, nobody is playing tennis professional from my country at the moment. Uh, nobody has a point. It's uh, as I told you, it's a tough sport. It's tough to break through. Uh, yeah, I say all the time the same thing. I hope that the kids will watch. The kids will uh, get inspired. The kids will practice, get better, come out here and uh, be better than me. I really hope that there will be a player from Moldova that will get uh, another title or whatever, just get higher in the ranking than Rad Albut. You've been working with Magnus since the uh, beginning of the season. He coached the Grand Slam champion, Thomas Johansson. Um, just talk about uh, what you, bringing uh, Magnus in, uh, what has he done for your game? Uh, yeah, we started to work with him in, uh, we met in December just met and uh, we didn't talk mm-hmm. to each other ever so yep. we met there then we started to work at Australian Open this was the first tournament mm-hmm. the only tournament where I didn't win a match at the Grand Slam mm. so this year I won my first uh, Australian Open match and uh, yeah you know it's just a, little, a lot of belief a lot of uh, little things that uh, maybe don't pay really attention but uh, yeah it works and uh, of course I've been working even before Magnus is not that uh, 
something crazy happened. It's mm. just like uh, good timing and uh, good good vibes or how you call it. And it just the connection with me and Magnus worked pretty good and uh, I love it. Okay, and lastly, um, for people that are not familiar with Moldova, tell them what your country uh, is about. Just a couple little tidbits on what the country is known for. Okay, so Moldova is situated between Romania and Ukraine in Europe. It's a, a pretty small country with a population of 4 million people. The capital is called Chisinau. This is where I live and it's only 1 million population. Uh, my country is very, very famous for the cellars under the ground. It's like hundreds of kilometers and you cannot walk there. You have to take a car and drive the car underneath the ground to see the the wine cellars or whatever. This is the most famous thing we have in Moldova. A lot of tourists go there. And uh, yeah, a lot of wine export in uh, different countries like Russia, Europe. I'm not sure about US, but uh, somewhere in Europe we have this. It's really good to get to know about some of the other players on the ATP Tour who may not necessarily always grab the headlines. But the same cannot be said, it really cannot be said, about our next guests and especially this man. With an hour and a half just under on the clock, two championships points for Nick Kyrgios. He's done it! There it is! Nick Kyrgios, it was written in the stars in Acapulco and he has claimed his fifth title here in Mexico. What a performance, what a week from Kyrgios and he has been simply awesome in Acapulco. Sepi, Nadal, Vavrinka, Isna and now Zverev have all been cast aside by this hugely talented Highly complex character, but from the moment he put out Nadal in the second round, it was destined to be his week. Got the early break in the first set, went to break up early in the second, back came Zverev, only for Kyrgios to weather the storm and come through. And he's done so in an hour and a half, 6-3, 6-4. Nick, you're the Acapulco champion 2019, how good does that sound? Yeah, it's an amazing feeling. Um, you know, I woke up today very tired after last match, uh, last night again. But, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't expect much at all today. Um, you know, I was definitely the underdog. He's been playing great tennis. Um, so I knew I had to play the right way. Um, he's an incredible player. He doesn't have many weaknesses. So I knew that I'd just play my style of tennis. But, again, you know, it could have gone either way. A couple points here or there. I thought we both served really, really good uh, under clutch situations. So I'm really happy with the performance. Drop shot seems to be working really well for you tonight. I think you saved one in the seventh game of the first set. Was that a tactic heading into the match? No, I'm just a bit lazy at times. You know, I don't really like to rally all that much. So, you know, the drop shot's always a good option. Um, terrible example for people out there. So, um, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and today it did. You spoke earlier in the week about some of the dark places you've been, and yet this week you've beaten the top three seeds and Stan. must be so satisfying to be back here in this kind of great environment. Yeah, for sure. I think it's just more an example for anyone that's, you know, going through some some struggles and some, you know, in, in some places where you don't think you can get out of. You know, if I can do it, you know, you can do it as well. You know, I, I was down and out, um, really down and out, and I really didn't know what I was going to do. And, you know, a week like this can change. So, you know, if I can do it, you guys can do it as well. And just finally, you'd like to be back into the world's top 32. Uh, great momentum heading to Indian Wells and Miami. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I'm just super excited to get to Indian Wells and Miami, two of my favourite tournaments. Um, you know, I'm just looking forward to it. I'm going to soak it up tonight, obviously. It's an amazing atmosphere. I heard there's a players party again, so you know I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lap it up and then you know just get to Indian Wells and another opportunity, another chance, and incredibly blessed to go there and and place in some of the beautiful places in the world. Big forehand down the line from Djokovic. Oh, he's passed. Game set and match Djokovic is passed. 
And Satya Zverev is the champion in London in straight sets against the world number one, Novak Djokovic. Sasha, you missed out on Rotterdam with, a, with an ankle injury, I believe. Um, I just wondered how that is. Yeah, I still feel it. Um, I'm going to be very honest with it. Uh, I still tape my ankle a lot. It's, it's an ongoing thing since the Australian Open. You know, we, you know, some people saw that fall that I had two days before the Australian Open started. And um, in a way, I, I, was pay, I was playing with a tail. I was playing on some uh, sort of also painkillers in, in Australia. And it's not something that I want to keep on doing the whole year. So I had to take, uh, I had to take Rotterdam off, unfortunately. And I, you know, I, I was with, with, with a doctor that uh, I saw for a long time already. And, um, you know, I hope that it's going to get better. And I hope that, uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be pain free and very shortly. Is that one of those occasions where you're sort of managing the schedule and, and sort of taking the long-term view for the season? Every player has played more than me, basically. And, um, you know, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to kind of really get going now because it's a, it's a busy schedule with, you know, with the Master Series is coming up. And also on clay, I have a very busy schedule. So I'm looking forward to it and uh, it's, it's very exciting. Running back out pass from Nishikori. That is a beauty. It's the uh, best start of your career so far in, in 2019. What's been the, the key to your success so far this season, do you think? Um, well, I've been playing well from the end of last year and I think I'm carrying that you know, confidence in my tennis. And uh, yeah, I think this, it's been the best start of the year so far. So I'm very happy that way I'm playing this year. Obviously, staying injury-free is key to success as well. But how much of a concern? Obviously, you had to retire there in Melbourne. Was that just a short sort of hiccup there at the time? Yeah, um, it was only the muscle um, uh, soreness and a uh, little bit of inflammation. But uh, now it's fine. And um, yeah, very unfortunate, you know, could, uh, couldn't play against Joko. Uh, but I had uh, so many long matches and I had a couple of good matches, you know, um, incredible um, match against uh, Carreño. And, um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, not easy um, to withdraw the match. Obviously, it was a long road back from, from injuries over the last sort of year or two. I mean, what, what can you take from that? Can you sort of take some positives from that, from the process of sort of coming back and fighting to be back in the top 10? Yeah, it, was, it wasn't easy after coming back from my wrist injury. It took uh, six, months, um, six months off and after coming back, you know, it took a little while to, to coming back 100% confidence and I... Uh, took a little time to trust my wrist 100% also so um, you know it wasn't easy but um, I think it was you know a good decision I you know I changed changed a couple things for my tennis and physically I got stronger I think and um, um, yeah everything got better and uh, everything you know started coming from uh, end of last year so I'm very happy you know uh, to to play a match 100% again and the way I'm playing. Wow! What a point, Milos Raonic! Wow, we've seen a couple of beauties at the net. It's been a really strong start to the year, obviously, out there in Melbourne, certainly. How do you feel about your own form and, 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 and sort of feeling fit as well at the start of this year? I feel good. I've been healthy for a good stretch of time right now. I've been able to put in some good uh, efforts on court and off court, and I think uh, it's sort of come together nicely. I'm playing well, and hopefully I can have another week where I play some good tennis. You did mention there was some concern immediately after after Melbourne that, that there may be some surgery required. I mean, how, how are you feeling on, on that sort of injury recovery front? I feel good. I feel good. I'm uh, not of any major concern at this moment. Obviously, something gets monitored and uh, taken care of on a day-to-day -day basis, and hopefully I can keep it under control. Oh, Chilich comes up with a winner. Unbelievable. 
Marin, it's the first time we've seen you uh, on tour since the Australian Open. You had a few big battles down there in Melbourne. Now you've had some time to reflect on that. How well do you think you were playing there at the start of the year? I felt that I was playing uh, really good tennis, but uh, unfortunately I had some problems with my knee. Physically I was not at 100% and uh, uh, it was definitely difficult to uh, know that when I'm in Australia last year's uh, great result of reaching the final and then uh, this year didn't have a really uh, a fair shot in uh, reaching back to the finals but uh, you know those are those things are quite normal in our life and uh, after that I took some weeks off did some therapies for my knee uh, did some training and uh, coming back and hoping that uh, you know I'm going to stay injury free until the rest of the season yeah you've had that month's break since melbourne while you recover as well as that rehabilitation on the knee how useful a sort of breaks like that during the season when you've had such a tough tournament as, as you did in Australia and what have you been up to in your spare time as well as looking after the knee? Yeah it's it's been great uh, you know staying home uh, practicing just uh, keeping my mind away of tennis uh, in terms of uh, tournaments and th- in terms of uh, mentality but still I practiced a lot uh, you know use this uh, downtime just to relax uh, have fun with my uh, friends with my closest ones um, and more, more or less just to recharge my batteries and uh, get ready mentally for the rest of the season because uh, I know how uh, grueling it can be and uh, you know those moments I really cherish when I'm uh, back home and uh, enjoying my time. Federer goes to the backhand of Chorich, he's up the net, plays a forward volley into the net! Chorich raises his arms, he's got a massive smile on his face! Borna, 2018 saw some terrific highlights for you. How difficult is it to, to sort of rediscover that momentum on the training course when you're away from competition? It was actually very, very difficult. Obviously, you know, I ended the season in a, in a great style. You know, it was a, a basically a dream come true, you know, to win Davis Cup. And I was, um, I was also dreaming of doing that since I was a kid. And, you know, it was just, um, it was something special in my career, obviously. Then huge celebration as well. So, um, I needed to recover from that as well, um, and I didn't have uh, such a long period of time to train. Uh, and obviously, then um, now after Australian Open, I took uh, I think uh, uh, two and a half weeks of the training, and obviously it was uh, it was very very tough. Um, not used to it, you know, in um, kind of uh, of the middle of the season having having that. But yeah, I'm gonna be playing. Uh, for the 48 hours, so you know that uh, now basically keeps me going. Why did you choose to take that break then uh, after Australia? Uh, and is it not useful sometimes to sort of have a break after a long tournament like that? Yeah, absolutely. No, I uh, I have basically chose because you know, like I said in the off season, I had um, I had like uh, two and a half weeks to prepare, uh, but then uh, I got sick for like 10 days. So basically, I trained only for 10 days in the off season, which is which is really not enough, you know, in 2017 I had uh, six weeks and, you know, it uh, it basically paid off. So I decided, you know, at least I'm, I'm, I'm going to take some more, so yeah. Um, so what's been working well for you in your game recently and what areas are you, are you still trying to improve on at the moment? Well, recently I, I haven't played so well, so I don't know about that. Uh, but, um, you know, I need to work on, on the every shot, like I said many times, you know, I really see uh, that I can improve in pretty much every shot, in the serve, in the back end, in the volleys, uh, and my approach shot as well. We are just constantly trying to improve on all of those, some small things. Schwartzman attacks with the forehand. He's coming behind it. The backhand volley, magnificent. Okay, Diego um, reached the final in Buenos Aires, but then an early exit in Rio. How are you feeling about your game at the moment? Uh, I'm feeling really, really good. Uh, it was a good start for me at the beginning in Australia, playing good in Sydney, playing good in Melbourne. 
then good tour in, in, in South America, Cordoba, Buenos Aires, then I didn't feel great uh, with my body in, in Rio, so I, I retired from the match. But uh, now I'm, I am okay, trying to, to feel again in, in my 100% to, to play and have a good week. And was it something in particular? Was it just a general fatigue you felt? Uh, in Rio, you mean? Uh, I had a problem in, in my leg after Buenos Aires, after the semi-final and, and the final in Buenos Aires. I, I didn't finish in, in my best uh, way. So in Rio, it was, was tough at the beginning and then I, I was scaring about my, about my leg. And then I did the MRI and everything after the match, after the retirement and, and was uh, nothing bad. So I'm here and trying to be again in my 100% to, to play. Reaches, serves, slams, there it is! John Isner to win the biggest title of his career. John Isner is a Masters 1000 winner and he goes back to world number nine. Well, John, you're busy a couple of months for you out making uh, semis. How, how are you feeling about your game at the moment? Yeah, I, I definitely feel better about my game right now than I did at the beginning of the year. Again, unfortunately, I, I started this year off uh, pretty slowly. That's sort of been par for the course for me lately, which is a bit frustrating, but I set a really low bar last year, and I've done a little bit better than I did last year. So I think this year I'm feeling um, pretty good about my game. And John Isner, he'll be looking to defend his Miami title, and that's hopefully where we'll see Juan Martín del Potro next, as the 2018 Indian Wells champion takes some time to see how his knee recovers from recent exertions. Now that, I'm afraid, is it from this week's ATP Tennis Radio podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it, but do not forget that you can hear live ball-by-ball commentary from both upcoming Masters 1000 events on the 24-7 ATP Tennis Radio channel. You can get that. This is really easy to do via the Listen button on the ATP Tour website or by simply searching ATP Tennis Radio on TuneIn and new for this year, very excited about this, tournament-long commentary on a number of the 500-level events starting with Barcelona. Now, coverage of the BMP Paribas Open in Indian Wells, that starts on Thursday the 7th of March and we will go on air every day 30 minutes before play starts and then we'll also bring you every moment of the Miami Open presented by Itau. That is from the 20th to the 31st of March. We've pretty much got your March sewn up. Please do get in touch with us on Twitter and Instagram. That's at ATP Tennis Radio or email us at studio at atptennisradio.com. That's with your predictions. We love getting those and also your questions. And if you're listening to the podcast via the Apple Podcast app, then please Please, if you get yourself a moment, then leave us a review. Thank you very much for your time. Enjoy the tennis.